Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Report Podcast, episode 120. Benjamin Benjamin Yoder is 100, 120. No, it's 100. I was thinking Mario 128 is what I was trying to think of. Those little like that like tech demo where all the Mario's were running around on that disc and stuff. It was it was a weird thing. It's weird to think about like when, and and I guess this doesn't feel like it happens nearly as much anymore. But like back then, um, you would have like tech demos and stuff that people would see and they'd be like ah oh, it's a video game even though it's just like a, a, a tech demo or something like that like uh i could i could think of the mario 128 thing uh that final fantasy silicon graphics demo thing um the final fantasy 7 ps3 remake stuff like it's it's interesting to see i feel like you don't really have that these days you get like these tech demos and i don't feel like anybody ever goes oh that's a video game probably because there's still a lot more information out there these days and it's a lot easier to look that stuff up and, and debunk it and things like that. And everyone's on social media, so everyone's kind of aware of what's going on. Um, anyways, that that was a weird sidetrack uh, for a number that wasn't even accurate. <laughs> Hi, I'm Benjamin Yoder. I'm here today, today to talk to you about video games. I have not been playing a ton of video games, but again, as, as it's been kind of going, just kind of going slow. Um, not really any new developments. Work has been super busy, so I've been kind of <laughs> overwhelmed by that and trying to just get home and just, like, chill for the most part. Um, um, but I, uh, I did play, I did play a couple things. Um, mainly, I mainly I played Sonic Riders. So I picked this up on GameCube, uh, probably about three or four years ago, although I realized I didn't get the manual with it, but I think I paid like 15, 20 bucks for it or something like that. I, I think that's about right price wise. I don't think I got an incredible deal or anything like that, but, uh, yeah, it's a weird game. Cause like you, you kind of expect from mascot racing games that they're all going to kind of play like Mario Kart. And that's really not the case with, with Sonic Riders. It's this weird own unique thing with a lot of very specific mechanics and a very specific control style as well. You know, before before Mario Kart Wii came out where everything was like drifting focus, this game very much feels like a like one where where the whole like any kind of major turns in that game needs to be using the trigger and like kind of sliding through turns. And I, I don't know if you really get a boost per se for sliding, or at least like not in the sense that you get in a Mario Kart. You might like come out of a slide faster than if you're just going straight. But um, it's it's not really something that I feel like when you're sliding, you're slowing down in, in the case of Sonic Rider. So it's it's kind of like a trade-off kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so like it just controls very differently and it has a lot of, I guess, interesting mechanics to it. Kind of the, the base of the game is you have a air system. So Sonic Riders, unlike Sonic R where everybody was in like a vehicle or just running around or something. Um, although you can get like rollerblades in this game, uh, each of these vehicles, and that's, it's mostly boards, but, um, each of these vehicles have like an air amount. And as you do certain things, you drain air and, and you, you kind of just steadily drain air overall. So, so doing things like tricks, uh, uh, riding rails, uh, there's a little like, uh, air boost, um, 
or like like pit stops where you can like get air back and you basically stop in there and then you you launch out either once you decide to launch out or once you like recover your air and then you can get rings and and that will like level i think I think what happens, it's, it's, <laughs> I'm honestly not a hundred percent sure, even though I read through the manual, I think what happens is you get enough rings and you like level up your board during the, the race. So you can get up to like level three and depending on what board level you have, the more boost you can hold or more air you can hold rather. Um, so, so you collect rings and I think when you level up, you, you refill on, on your air. And then also there's, uh, and these are just like item capsule things that you get rings from. And then also you can get air out of it. And then there's like some other power-ups, but the, the, the other power-ups seem very, uh, minimal. It's mostly rings or air. If, if you get something else, it's, it's rare. I, I would say probably once per Grand Prix, I get an item that's not just rings, air, or, or probably the most common speed boost. There are some other things there, but I don't really... I don't know. It, it, it it's kind of inconsequential if you get anything else, cause cause like so much of the game is focused around like maintaining your air that I feel like it's very hard to really manage other things like like what weapons you have, and you don't really hold on to the weapons; they just kind of get thrown out immediately. Um, you can get like these melee weapons, and I'm not sure what triggers this. I think it might might be an item. But, um, and when you get these melee weapons, if you boost by somebody, you'll hit them and it'll like knock rings out of them. So I think it like lowers their overall boost, but it doesn't really slow them down per se. It, it's, it's, it's kind of a bizarre thing. It reminds me of like Kirby Air Ride where, where the power-ups aren't really there to slow other players down. It's more of to penalize them. And in the case of Kirby Air Ride, if you, if you have health on, you know, if somebody gets hit enough, they, they die and then they're in, they're out of the race. Um, but in the case of Sonic Riders, I think you're just like hitting them to down down level them so they don't have as much speed. Um, and then there's this whole turbulence system where if you go, I don't want to say too fast, but if you go fast, uh, you you kind of leave this big half pipe behind you of air, and people can ride that half pipe, and it basically is like a free like <laughs> a free space to just kind of like ride without running out of air. Um, you also don't really need to turn like like if somebody there's like a, one of those turbulent things around an entire turn. Um, like you can just ride it the, the entire turn and just follow the exact path the other person took. So, so it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Um, but that, that turbulence also gets kind of in the way because when, when there's no like way to like turn on going to turbulence, like you're not pressing a button to get into somebody's turbulence. You're just kind of like ending up in it though. If you hit it at certain angles, you won't enter the turbulence. You'll get bounced off of it. It's, it's strangely complex, and it's like it's not quite like anything else I've ever played before. Um, and I think that's really cool. Uh, it's very hard to manage. <laughs> uh, and I guess you use the A button a lot because my, my thumb, I played a few hours, and my thumb is hurting in the same way like a fighting game would hurt my thumb on like a D-pad. So, and Kirby Air Ride, you know, is, is also very A button focused. I don't, I don't remember if I got like any kind of like, not sore, but like almost like raw thumbs from playing Kirby Air Ride. So, but yeah, it's it's a really interesting game. There's a there's a story mode to it. Um, I would say you know it's been a long time since I've played a Sonic game. I feel like from my memory of Sonic cutscenes, which you know I'm not gonna sit there and say Sonic cutscenes are great. They're kind of you know low budget and and kind of awkward and stilted stilted typically from from my memory. Uh, Sonic Riders 
seems even more so. Um, but it's it's kind of it's, it's nice that they took the time to make a story. I think the there's like these these group of people called like the Babylon Pirates or something like that, and they're kind of like the rival faction to Sonic. Uh, I think they're they're a fun cast, and and I I enjoyed their part of the story. Sonic's part of the story was kind of whatever. It was more or less just Sonic being like, "Oh no, Eggman, Chaos Emerald, something's happening. I'm gonna go find out." And then you get to the end, like, "Oh no, Eggman got the Chaos Emeralds." <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. Although it's not really even about the Chaos Emeralds. It's about getting to the city of Babylon or something like that. And and he was like, "I want the technology to to rule the world" or something like that. Um, so, so, and then Sonic story ends pretty early and then you kind of do these Babylon stories, just kind of overlaps with Sonic stories and then goes beyond that story. And I think their little plot lines are, are silly and fun. You know, it's nothing deep. It's pretty much just these guys trying to find treasure. They are like, oh, Eggman lied to us about the treasure being here, but you know, I can get tech, like there's technology here so we can still like sell it and then, uh, you know, go on and, and you, you. I don't know if you ever really race against Eggman per se, now that I think about it. Like, if you do race against Eggman, it's it's kind of inconsequential. Who you're racing against is typically inconsequential in general. There's some missions. So, so when you're playing the story mode, it, it gives you a set of missions, and none of the missions actually matter. So it'll say, like, defeat Amy Rose, but it'll say in parentheses, get first place. So even if you get ahead of Amy during a race or something like that... Um, it doesn't matter. Like even though you beat Amy on the the score ranking, it still wants first place. So so seeing things like defeat Amy Rose, you know, uh, you know, outrun Eggman, it's still just get first place is what it is. Uh, with the exception of the very last mission, uh, that last mission has a a slight change to it. It's an interesting course actually. Uh, it was a little confusing, like jumping into it. It's it's maybe a little too easy. Um, I say the story mode overall is fairly easy, though though some of the later tracks. Um, really require you to be very attentive to how you're racing and 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 taking shortcuts because shortcuts are huge in that game and you like if you miss one you can you can go from like first to fifth place so you gotta you gotta be on top of that and you have to hit as many of those shortcuts as possible uh, in a way that like I feel like Mario Kart shortcuts are are good but they're not like you're not going to go from from fifth to first place using a shortcut in Mario Kart or Sonic Riders. You can jump up real high. So so yeah, I, I I'll probably do a quick play on Sonic Riders at some point. I'm still I so I beat the story mode, and then so basically right now there's some additional tracks and additional characters I want to unlock, which just is going to require doing some some grinding of the the main game. We'll see how hard it is. The game doesn't really, as far as I can tell, have like a difficulty level. So so when you go to the Grand Prix, it's actually pretty intense from the start. So you just gotta kind of do well. But because there's not a lot of items or anything like that, it's it's mostly skill based. Um, and, and not so much like, like luck based, like a Mario Kart can be. So we also finished up Tales of the Tempest this week on stream. Um, and you know, I, I'm pretty much where I'm at with the beginning of that game where, Hey, it's pretty average. Um, I ended up playing casters on the back half because the AI is no good at healing. And, and that last battle in particular really needed a healer. I was surprised it's, it's a JRPG that has a final boss without a second form. I was like, Oh, that's rare. (laughs) So so we beat the final boss and that was the end and it was like oh okay and and probably is about as you expect you defeat the darkness and then and then Caius wants to go see the world the main character and everybody else goes back to their business really not, not a lot happened it's 
you know, as an early DS game, it would have been cool to play a JRPG, you know, when you're looking at stuff like, you know, Lunar Lunar Star Dragon Song, I think it was called, which people pretty actively disliked. Like, uh, I think JRPGs on the DS early on were, were, were mixed at best, so it's not super surprising. Uh, it wasn't really until, you know, years later that you got anything decent. Like, even Final Fantasy III, as great as a remake as it is for the Final Fantasy III for the NES, um, it's an 8-bit RPG at its core, and it's, like, not not great so i feel like for for early rpgs it's about on par with what you have on ds the fan translation seems perfectly fine like i didn't see any issues if if you told me that was a real localization i would be like oh yeah 100 percent. so that was pretty cool so that was kind of it for the games i played um i oh and i played some rhythm thief so so we might have a rhythm thief quick play coming up here i, I recorded all the footage because it's a rhythm game i, re- I pre-recorded everything uh, before I do any kind of commentary over it. So I'm going to try to do that this weekend, and then maybe we'll have a quick play-up for Rhythm Thief this week. And that's kind of it. Uh, in terms of news, the big thing is the Nintendo Direct, and I'm just going to go ahead and pull up this uh, this Nint- Nintendo Direct news article from GameSpot.com. <laughs> um, so if I miss anything, blame <laughs> blame them. Um, but I just kind of want to go over some of these things. I'm just going to, I'm going to ignore some of this stuff that I really didn't have much thought on. Super Nintendo games on Switch is really cool. Um, in terms of like, you know, so, so in terms of A, being a subscription service for, for retro Nintendo games, I think it's nice that the lineup is really good compared to like the NES lineup at start. The NES lineup was pretty atrocious at start, but I mean, it's just, it's not that it was atrocious. It's just those games haven't age super well and and you know they're they're interesting curiosities like i find ice climber and stuff like that interesting but but i wouldn't say they're great games these days uh where i feel like super nintendo games you can pretty consistently say these games are are at least still good um or 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 very enjoyable like it's it's worthy of playing today i guess you know i I say that as somebody who's just came off of playing tales of the tempest which is like the most whatever thing and i still enjoyed it so i'm not like trying to super like i'm not trying to say those nes games are bad so it's let's go let's get past this um but i think it's really cool that they're still doing the online stuff um i wish there were more multiplayer games that made use of that but i'm sure over time they will uh stunt race fx i really want to check that out the the big thing though is that i would rather and i know it's silly but i'd rather own stunt race race x fx so like getting a subscription service to play it and then like you know it be gone at some point it, it it's difficult when i don't own a game for me to feel like i really want to invest a lot of time into it because i already own so much stuff and and i i keep pretty decent track of my backloggery so or my backlog so it's like nice to check a game off but if it's like a subscription game it's just kind of there but what why would i play video games just for fun <laughs> um so I think it's cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to see if they put any other multiplayer stuff with online play on there. I would I would be super interested in playing like Secret of Mana online or something like that if I could find the people because I really do want to play Secret of Mana, but I don't know. I, I've had some problems with that game. Um, there's the Xenoblade Chronicles remake, and I've seen... So I'm, I'm, I'm glad like... It seems like generally people are very happy about this, and I think that's really good. Um, if you don't know, basically the Xenoblade Chronicles remake uh, redoes some of the graphics for the game, uh, the character models being the most notable. Uh, they're do- redoing some of the environments as well, and I think they're re-recording all the voice acting and stuff. Um, and I think some people were saying that it looked like they might be doing the Bionicist shoulder, which was like a cut part of the game. Um, I don't, I didn't really see any evidence of that per se. It might have just been people speculating, but it sounded like people were saying that based off the trailer. I don't know if that's actually the case. But, um, 
But yeah, I did see some arguments over <laughs> over the art style of the game, and and I would probably say I'm somebody who falls towards liking the original Xenoblade Chronicles art better. Um, basically, if you haven't seen it, Xenoblade Chronicles remake uh, goes for the more anime style that Xenoblade Chronicles 2 goes for. I would say it is pretty dang close to how Xenoblade Chronicles 2 looks, um, but I did see some people arguing that uh, it was different, and if you if you look at the comparison shots, it is different. It definitely leans more towards the more realistic side of things, but it is definitely closer to how Xenoblade Chronicles 2 looks versus like Xenoblade Chronicles X. Um, I did see some weird argument somebody was making about how that's how Xenoblade Chronicles has always looked. And the only reason why it looks better is because of the, the graphical capabilities of the switch. And I'm like, you are crazy. <laughs> like, I think I got what he was trying to say about like aesthetically, because it has a more realistic look compared to Xenoblade Chronicles two, that it, it, it still fit the original game. I am a little hesitant to say that in terms of like, you know, at least, you know, staying in line with the original game. Um, but, you know, I I think I think you could just look at Xenoblade Chronicles X and how that game looked. And you can probably say chances are if they had the hardware power of the Wii U or the Switch when they're making the original Xenoblade, they probably wouldn't have gone with the look they went with Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Um because um, I, I would expect visually what Xenoblade Chronicles 2 it, it looks like would, at least in the case of Xenoblade Chronicles X, work. But but yeah, I don't know. I, I I prefer that weird, like, anime, like, like leaning towards the, the other side of Spectrum where it's more realistic, but with anime elements rather than anime elements with more realistic, or anime focused yet with more realistic elements to it. Um, I might pick it up still, though. I mean, I'm a big Monolith Soft fan. Um... Especially they add content, but you know when I probably won't prioritize playing it in the near future. I feel like there's a lot of other monolith stuff, soft stuff that I want to check out. Like eventually, like Summer Bringer, I still need to play uh, Xenosaga One and Two on DS. And sometimes I think about going to Xenosaga Episode Three, but ugh, eh. I, if I played Xenosaga Episode Three, I feel like I'd play through Xenosaga One and Two again. Um, and outside of the DS one, DS one is not localized, so I wouldn't like be getting the summary of the story from there. Um, but yeah, just like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll play Xenosaga, uh, DS and then, and then look at one and two through a video and just determine it from that. But like a lot of the Xenosaga, like what I want to know about Xenosaga three is a mechanical thing. Um, like story, story is important too, in terms of what I want to kind of revisit it for, but I also want to see the progression from Xenosaga one to Xenosaga two to Xenosaga three. So playing the DS one doesn't really feel like it would, it would fit that for me, like fit what I would need. So, eh. but anyways, I'll, I'll probably pick this up, but I, I don't know when I'll pick it up or when I'll play it. I don't really have any concern about it being a rare game. Xenoblade, or Xenoblade Chronicles is big enough right now that Nintendo's going to print plenty of copies. So so I have no real concerns. Uh, Super Kirby Clash. It's like a uh, uh, like a co-op beat 'em up, or like I don't know, maybe beat 'em up. It's like it's like a co-op hack and slash beat 'em up kind of thing where you get like these different classes and you you fight monsters. And it's it's free to start. Uh, I I didn't look into what the monetization model is. Like if you just buy the game full after that part, or if if you buy it piecemeal, like oh you're buying powers and stuff like that. 
Um, I might check that out. I like that style of game, and and I do like seeing the Kirby games continue to do their weird things. There's some interesting stuff on the 3DS that they tried to do with uh, Kirby in like different classes. There's that uh, Battle Royale game, which I, I wrote an article about that, but it, I didn't think that game was great. Um, and then there's also like a uh, Kirby Clash, I think I played, and that's a that's a really cool game. I, I might go back to Kirby Clash and and try that. I think it's called Clash. It's the one where you like it's like an overhead perspective, and and you're it's all about like kind of comboing, sucking up enemies and blowing out giant stars at enemies. There's no like power ups in that game, so it's all very focused on on the traditional style of Kirby, but from a different perspective kind of thing. So maybe I'll try out Super Kirby Clash. It's free to start at least, so so I don't know. I'll download it and then we'll we'll I'll think about it. <laughs> uh, it's it's Final Fantasy 15 is de- definitely my grind game right now. Well, will be my grind game again once I get back back to that style of game. So so I'm not super desperate to jump into that. Uh, there's the Trials of Mana trailer that was in there. I really have nothing else to say about Trials of Mana other than it looks cool. Um, the new, the new 3d remake one, they already re-released like the, the original one translated for, for the switch that was like based off the super Nintendo game, uh, indie games, indie games, little town hero. I need to know more about little town here. This is the game freak game. That's like all about like defending your town. It's kind of like has RPG elements and stuff. I, I'll be curious to see how it does. Um, game freak seems to be doing some interesting side stuff, but none of it has been particularly successful there's like that was it like jumbo the 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 badass elephant and then um what was that other game called pocket pocket jackie on 3ds and then there's like some game where you like your girl with like an arm that can like throw junk i forget what that game's called but nothing really seems to be really taken off so i'll be curious since this one seems to be getting more like prime time from nintendo although pocket card jockey did get some prime time but that's a very specific thing of like a a horse racing game with solitaire, <laughs> you know, as, as good as it is, I, I don't know how well you can market that to people. Typically, uh, this looks like more like a traditional RPG that's on the switch, pretty popular platform. You have a lot of people playing Xenoblade Chronicles on there. So maybe, maybe there's some overlap there. Um, and so, yeah, uh, Banjo-Kazooie and Smash, really nothing to say about that. Uh, and then also there is a uh, Terry Bogard. So, so Terry Bogard being added to Smash is, I'm perfectly fine with this. I see more people complaining about Terry Bogard, people saying other people are complaining about Terry Bogard than people actually complaining about Terry Bogard being in Smash. I actually have not seen a single person complain about Terry Bogard being in, in Smash Brothers. Only people complaining about people <laughs> people who say that they shouldn't be. Uh, but that may just be my 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 group on Twitter that might be big Terry Bogard fans. Uh, interesting note, as somebody who is not like a part of the, like, I don't really know any SNK games really and don't really have an investment in any of them and eventually would like to, I, I played Athena a little bit and that's about it. Uh, Psycho Soldier, sorry, not, not Athena. Um, but it uh, features Athena. Uh, whenever I think of Terry Bogard, I just think King of Fighters, which I know is like a con, like, I, I think it's like a, a, uh, <laughs> I guess you could call it a crossover game between all, all of SNK's fighting games, I think. Uh, so Fatal Fury is one of them. So it's weird to see Terry Bogard from Fatal Fury. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Fatal Fury is the thing. My brain is just like t- King of Fighters, I think. I think he's in. I know he's in Gar- Garu Mark of the Wolves. And I think that's related to King of Fighters as well. I'm not very knowledgeable about SNK. I'm pretty sure he's in King of Fighters somewhere. <laughs> Anyways. But yeah, uh, nothing really new to say about that. Oh, then yeah, cool. Why not? Um, I, I'm all for more Smash characters. I don't know when I'll actually get around to buying the 
fighter uh, fighter uh, pack or whatever. Uh, and then they announced they're going to do more DLC characters, so I'll be curious to see. But I've been pretty much waiting until I get back to playing some more Smash Brothers. I want to do some more online stuff in particular, uh, but I really haven't committed to doing that yet. So let's see. Sans costume. I'm not a huge Undertale fan. I think Undertale mechanically as a game. So so they added, added Sans costume to, to um, Super Smash Brothers. Sans being, I don't know what you'd call him, a very popular character in Undertale. I don't really think he's an antagonist per se. He's kind of like rides the line. Um, but uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of Undertale's writing or anything like that, or like its style or characters very much. So it doesn't doesn't really do a ton for me. But but I do really like Undertale mechanically as a video game. That's kind of like the, the weird split point for me because I actually think Undertale's a really cool game. Like when I think about how that game progresses and how it evolves, like almost on a battle by battle cases, you're almost always doing something new in a battle, even though it's like maybe only slightly different. There's always some kind of development. And and this is with a pacifist run, I should specify. I, I have not done the other two runs in the game, the neutral and the, uh, the I don't remember what the last run is called. Um, so with the pacifist run, like the game is constantly evolving. And I think that's really cool. Um, but yeah, the, the story characters and, and none of that ever really lined up with me. So like I, I wouldn't say I'm an Undertale fan, but it's hard to find people who also talk about the mechanics of the game for me. Side side rant, I guess. Tokyo Mirage se- Sessions, Sharp FE Encore. Um, basically, this is just that uh, that, that Sharp FE game that came out on the Wii U, so it's getting ported over, has some original con- or some new content being added. Uh, what's most notable is it seems like it it's likely that they've de-censored the game i guess i know people like get all upset about the censored term i don't i don't really care they, they covered up some stuff for the u.s release to make it more u.s friendly i guess whether you want to call that censorship or not is another thing i i, I kept seeing people arguing about what censorship was over the weekend and i'm just like well, maybe this is just a bad term to use because two different groups of people have two different understandings of what censorship means. And usually that just means to get away from the word, but the changes, they basically sounds like they're undoing the changes between the, the, the U S version, and the Japanese version. And, um, and well, it, it, it seems likely. So people are taking screenshots, um, from the website and stuff from the, the U S website, I believe. And, and, and comparing them with the, the covered up characters and stuff who like had a bunch of like clothing added to reduce cleavage and recluse other elements of like, um, like, you know, I guess sensual elements. The big question I think overall is there's a dungeon that was completely redesigned in the US version to from being like, I think like a guy who obsessed over girls in swimsuits outfits to something else. I, I can't remember. It's been it's been a while. Um so yeah, I don't know. It's 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 kinda interesting because if it does come out that way and it's like been been changed back and uh you know text i'd be curious to like i don't know what the dialogue looked like for that section of the game so i maybe wonder if they re-record dialogue for those parts of the game um but uh now you kind of have like two versions of the game with like a dungeon that's like different per version so i picked it up on wii u a while ago um i might look at a list of what's been changed if it's just costume changes i probably won't like kill myself over playing the switch version i might just stick with the wii u version um just because it's a minor thing, and and if I know I had a friend that gave me a hard time for buying the Wii U version, who's like, "You're supporting Nintendo, but I bought it used, so so I don't think Nintendo didn't get any of my money." <laughs> so so yeah, um, 
Yeah, I, that's fun. I, I don't know when I'll ever play that game. It's it's not high up on my list, but it's it's on my list of eventually, for sure. Uh, Deadly Premonition 1's getting ported to the Switch. Then there's also Deadly Premonition 2. I don't know why. I've never had a lot of interest in Deadly Premonition. Like, I don't know why. It, it seems like totally up my alley. Maybe if I sat down and played it, I would like, be like super into it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to wait to see how, like, if I decide to pick up a copy of Deadly Premonition, I'll have to see how it runs on Switch and if there's, like, a physical version. Because if it doesn't run well, I'd probably just rather go back and play, I think it's the Xbox 360 was the original release, depending on how expensive it is. I, I haven't looked at the pricing of Deadly Premonition in a while. I feel like it used to be really cheap, but sometimes those games that used to be really cheap were also, like, low print, not super in demand, and then word spread, and then it get got, like, explosive in, in popularity, so... So, I don't know. I don't think I'll play it anytime soon. Uh, the only sweary games I've played is Spy Fiction and Extermination. So, I should probably play more sweary games. Probably more sweary games that are more in his style rather than Spy Fiction and, and Extermination that are just kind of like his early forays, I guess, into into game development. I don't remember if he made anything for Extermination, but... Doom 64 coming to Switch is, is cool. Let's see. What else? I'm just going through this list now. I think there wasn't a ton else here. Uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. I think Pokemon Sword and Shield still looks okay. Um, I think it's like visually it's great, and like they they're adding a well. I don't know what the the character customization looked like in the past games, but I think I think it's really cool, like how much they're adding. So now I think before you go and do tops and bottoms, I think is what they said in the in the video, and now you can do like your whole outfit basically. Um, so I think I think that's that's neat. I I like character customization in games a lot. So. Yeah, and then uh, I'm just going to skip over the rest of these because there are a lot of, like, stuff that doesn't super matter. Uh, but there were some other things that came out of the Japanese Nintendo Direct. Let me pull that up here. Uh, there was a trailer for Protect Me Night, the, the third game in that series, I believe. Um, so that, that looks neat. Basically, you're, like, in the pre previous Protect Me Night games, you, like, de defended the princess who was, like, on in, like, a castle. And uh, in this case, she's, like, on a cart. And so you, like, cart her around the level. So you can kind of move the princess around. And, and I think I'm curious how essential that would be because you could pick up in the second game at least you could pick up the princess and move her around and this was important because if you got away it's basically like a wave defense game you're defending this princess in this castle and and if if the princess dies or the castle gets destroyed you you lose so so everybody you build barricades and stuff and um and and typically the princess would just be sitting on the castle and you would leave her there but if you get further away from the princess you get you lose power so it would sometimes be be smart to bring the princess with you to places so you you keep your power level if you have to go out further somewhere. But then you know that makes the princess vulnerable because she's not behind the barricades and stuff. So so in this case she's like on a cart, and so I'll be curious to see if that if they've accounted for like wanting you to make the princess more mobile. Because I feel like in the last game, especially if you're playing single player, it was very punishing if you brought the princess out, and and typically it wasn't the smartest thing to do. Um, that game also needed some pretty significant variety. I remember the, the, the maps getting very, very repetitive and very, very difficult in the, uh, the second game. I really enjoyed it though. Like I, I had a lot of fun with it and I beat it and everything, but yeah, it got very grindy. And I, I think another part of that is like, I hope they add online multiplayer. I don't know if they've said they would do that yet. Um, because as a man who who is not around anybody who plays video games, uh, that would that would be uh, my preferred way is be play online with other people rather than have to have to get around find somebody with the switch locally and, and play that way. But 
We'll see. I think it's a pretty small development team, so I wouldn't be. I think they wanted to do online in the 3DS game, but they weren't able to do it at the time. So we'll see if they are able to do it now. But I don't know. Uh, and then also, Moon is getting localized. Which if you don't know, it was like a PlayStation One. I would. I've heard it described as the anti RPG before. It, it, it to me, it looks like an adventure game more than anything. Uh, it seems like a lot of like walking around, talking to people, and 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 trading items and stuff like that. I I haven't looked at this game in a long time, so I could be misremembering this. But it was very a desirable game to get fan translated for a long time. I think somebody was working on it at some point but didn't finish it up. But for some reason, that's getting ported to Switch. So cool. And then also, it's getting English localization. So also cool. Uh, it comes out in October in Japan, but they said like shortly after the English localization will be out. So so that's neat. I might I might have to look into it again and see if it's something I'm, I'm really interested in, in checking out. I think it's a PlayStation 1 game, if I recall correctly. So... So, yeah. And then the final news story, which is not related to Nintendo Direct, um, is Gunfold Chronicles Luminous Avengers IX is coming to Xbox One. Uh, not so much. I'm not really saying this so much for uh, the the fact that this game is coming to Xbox. Or rather, I'm not saying this so much as like, a, oh, cool, this game's coming to Xbox One kind of thing. Now you can play it on Xbox One. I think it's, I think, I'm curious to see if we're going to sit if Microsoft's really going to make a push for getting more people on Xbox One, I'm not sure if this was an Integrate's decision or a Microsoft decision. You know, if you listen to the Giant Bombs uh, uh, E3 conversation with Phil Spencer, um, there was a... Uh, uh, when they talked about Fantasy Star Online 2, he talked about him going to Japan and um, talking to the, the Fantasy Star Online team and and basically being like, I want this on Xbox, basically, and trying to push for that to end up on Xbox. Um, so I'm curious, like, how active, proactive Phil is being with Japanese developers. I think the, the biggest problem I have, like, I, I don't really care about Sony first party. So, like, the biggest problem I have between going between a PS4 and an Xbox One is just the Japanese developers. Like, like most Japanese developers are doing PS4 pc and if they can nintendo switch um so i'll be curious to see if this is the beginning like i feel like i've seen a few other games coming to xbox one as well from japanese developers so i'll be curious to see if there'll be like a slow transition to more games coming out on the platform but you know yeah i'm i i probably won't get an xbox whatever the next xbox will be immediately until they can prove that they're going to be you know parody with 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 like a playstation platform i'm not really sure what my plans are for next generation yet in general like i waited a while to get a ps4 and stuff so so i I may wait a while again i'm not sure we'll see anyways i just think it's cool it's coming there and hopefully we'll see more games coming there because we need more competition because sony is being a good guy right now and by good guy i mean they're in first place so they can do whatever they want and most people will settle with that and uh i'm not sitting there saying you should get upset at sony or anything like that it's not like a huge like again it's one of those things where it's like video games does it really matter Eh. (laughs) so a little bit of a long podcast thanks for sticking around for it nintendo directs always always filled with stuff i thought that was a good direct i don't i wasn't super surprised by anything but i thought it was a good direct overall um in terms of the website what's up there uh kenshin uh doji zenki uh complete playthrough went up last week so if you want to go check that out that's the pcfx brawler uh one of the few pcfx games that is not heavily text-based even though there's a lot of talking in the game um so if you're if you're looking for something on the pcx to just check out and have a good time with for about 45 minutes that's a fun game uh if you don't plan on ever playing it then you can just watch my full playthrough i guess so that's up on the site i also did a test stream for for my little craft table thing did some gamecube controller stream or 
cleaning, so that's up on the website as well. It's mainly just me sitting there chatting, and I have First Kiss Story music playing in the background, but it's very, very low, so it's difficult to hear. So I'll have to bump that up next time. Also trying to create a larger playlist that's not just First Kiss Story, just was what I happen to have for that test stream. Uh, in terms of when we're going to start doing that stuff, and, and like if it's going to replace the Thursday stream, or if it's going to be something different, I don't really know yet. I would like it to be something different, but the reality is, is that that's more time on stuff. So the more time I spend on stuff, the less time I have to do other things. Um, uh, and then uh, during the stream last week, we, f we finished up Tales of the Tempest. But if you're not interested in Tales of the Tempest, but, but still we're interested in some stream stuff, at the end of that stream, I played some Xbox Live indie games that I bought a while ago. A lot of them I hadn't ever, ever turned on or like power, like actually looked at. I just bought them kind of blindly looking at the the label and being like is there an anime lady on this cover yes there is i'm gonna buy this game uh some of those games are uh, uh interesting <laughs> some of them are actually fun games some of them are like you're like a old pervy man like trying to inch your way across the couch to like a host at a hostess club or something it's, it's weird um and then also, uh, next stream, what we'll probably do is I'm going to play the original Valkyria Chronicles downloadable content. I never played through it before. I think I mentioned this last week and I, um, and I would like to, I would like to revisit Valkyria Chronicles, but I would like to not play through all Valkyria Chronicles again. So I think, I think revisiting the DLC might be a fun way to do that. Just kind of re-explore the mechanics of the game and then also do something I haven't done with that game before. So it's interesting to buy DLC for a game I played nearly a decade ago. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. Otherwise, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneControlReport.com is the website. I hope you have a great week. Oh, streams are Thursday every day at 7 p.m. And not every day. Every Thursday, sorry. Every Thursday at 7 o'clock. <laughs> All right. Uh, PM PSD. Yeah. I'm doing a good job. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>